The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too, go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last ones worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, my friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I think we have to be humble as we listen to this gospel, especially the punchline here at the end. Thus, the last will be first and the first will be last. So we need to ask the Lord to help us to understand that, because when we read it for the first time and when we hear this parable for the first time, I think it's really hard to understand and to appreciate what God is trying to communicate. So we need some heavenly wisdom, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Because as we read in the first reading, God says to us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. All that to say, it's not so easily grasped the lessons of the Lord. So we need his help. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, help us to have the mind of Christ. St. Paul talks about that, that we would have the mind of Christ. So I have a lot on my heart today. You may know that the priests of the archdiocese, most of us were all away last week. Uh, for the convocation of priests. So we all gathered uh, up in Boyne Mountain 
and we had a guest speaker come in to address us. And this year's guest speaker was a layman who spent some time at uh, U of M. Uh, Jonathan Reyes is his name. And he's a family man. I think he's got grandkids already. And he's spent a lot of time working full time in the church in various roles. So the archbishop and the, and the, the team of priests who put together this convocation wanted to bring in a layman to give priests a layman's perspective. So he spoke to us priests about how we come off to you in the pews and what inspires you and what turns you off, etc. So it was very good. And we talked about fatherhood a little bit. He's a father. He's a grandfather. Jonathan is. And so he really encouraged us to encourage the men of the church in their roles as husbands and fathers. And so I was really convicted, so to speak, by the Holy Spirit, so much so that uh, Friday morning, which was, uh, we got back Thursday night. So then Friday morning, some friends of mine gathered at 6 a.m., men uh, at Everest, and were inviting me to join them. I was in their text chain, but I had never joined them until this Friday morning. And so I went at 6 a.m., to accompany the men there. And we reflected on today's gospel. And it was really fruitful, very beautiful. And one of the guys said something that really uh, stuck with me in particular. He said, yeah, when I read this gospel, I'm particularly thankful for God's generosity because I, I I don't consider myself one of those workers who was called early in the morning or who responded to the call early in the morning. I consider myself one of those afternoon guys. (laughs) So I'm benefiting from God's generosity. And again, I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are probably afternoon type people. Even if we were born Catholics, did we always make God a priority in our lives? Do we struggle with that even today? And the answer is yes, we all struggle with that to one degree or another. But I mean, you're all here on a Sunday morning, so praise God for that. You've obviously made God a priority, enough of a priority in your lives to be here on a Sunday, the Lord's Day. But I had another interesting conversation this week about aliens. (laughs) So this young adult was asking me, Father, you know, what's, do you believe in aliens? What does the church teach about aliens? I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. And I gave him my answer, and I've been thinking about it more, because much, much like when we talk about God's existence, we can't prove God's existence scientifically. So we can't measure God's existence, so to speak. We can't weigh God's existence. So from a scientific point of view, we don't prove that God exists. But it's from a philosophical point of view. Thomas Aquinas is famous for his five ways, his cinque vie. So he came up with at least five different ways that we could prove God's existence philosophically. The most obvious one, uh, Bishop Barron likes to use the, uh, the proof of uh, contingency. So contingency meaning that one created thing is contingent or dependent upon some other thing for its existence. Like I was 
dependent on my mom and dad's coming together so that I could exist. And they were dependent on my grandparents and so on and so forth. You follow me, right? Well, you can't keep going like that forever. At some point, there has to be, necessarily speaking, something that always existed, from which the whole thing got started. You have to admit that philosophically, logically. You have to admit that. Otherwise, that's absurd. So I kind of use that when it came to aliens, and you'll get my point here in a second. You know, could aliens exist? Okay, perhaps. But from a Christian point of view, from our Christian worldview, it's absurd that aliens would exist. Because God created us in his image and likeness. And if you will, the earth is like at the center of the universe, of, of, the, of the galaxy, rather, you might say. It's at the center of the galaxy. And so God, in a way, has made us his priority. That he created this world all for us. He was focused on us when he created the earth and the universe and the galaxy. He had us in mind as he created everything. There's a neat documentary, The Privileged Planet. Anybody here ever watched The Privileged Planet? Okay, that's your homework for this week. Look up The Privileged Planet. And it's all scientific. And it explains how all of the conditions that are necessary for our existence here on Earth, and there's like, I think, a dozen or so characteristics that they enumerate and explain, if any one of them were off just a little bit, life as we know it would, would not be able to exist. For example, our distance from the sun, the, the density and, and the thickness of the Earth's crust, for example. So all these things. So it goes to show that God was very intentional about all he did. It made me think of St. Peter's Basilica. Anybody ever visit St. Peter's Basilica in Rome? Okay. A number of you. So I had to look it up this morning on Wikipedia. The current basilica that we all visited is almost uh, 400 years old. It was started over 500 years ago. So it took over 100 years to complete. And the tradition was, well, it's built on the bones of St. Peter. But we were never really sure about that until very recently, after World War II, there were some excavations going on, actually, yeah, during World War II, and then they came out with the announcement after the war ended, but that they discovered what they're fairly certain are the bones of St. Peter. And if you were to drop a rope from the top of the dome of St. Peter's, if you were to drop a rope, it would land not only on the main altar, but it would go through the main altar and land right on the bones of St. Peter, right where they found the bones of St. Peter. So there was obviously some intentionality when they built the basilica. They knew what they were doing. It wasn't an accident. 
And so that says something about how God feels about us and how he thinks about us. It says that he loves us a lot. (laughs) That in a certain way, in a certain sense, you could say that he made you his priority. He made me his priority in creating me and in saving me. Because then he became a man. I'm I'm pointing to the crucifix, right? So God didn't become E.T., right? He became a man. He became a human being to save us. And not just to save us, but we can't forget what our ultimate destiny is. And as Jesus himself said it, it's to share in his glory. The beauty the power, the majesty of God. God wants us to share in that, to participate in that. And that starts from his own inner life of the Trinity. Because from that love, that communion of love, springs everything else. So we were created, the whole universe was created from that love. And they made us a priority when they decided to create. And they knew it was a risk. They knew that if they were going to create us freely, with a free will, that we could choose to reject their love. And that's what we did. You could say that we abused our freedom. We abused our freedom by choosing not to make God a priority. And God knew that was a possibility. But he didn't, get this, he didn't let the possibility of evil, he didn't let the possibility of evil prevent him from doing good. That's a great lesson, especially for you young parents out there, for, for you teenagers. I met with an engaged couple this morning. You know, I said, hey, I'm happy to meet with any young engaged couple that wants to get married because I know a lot of your friends aren't doing it. They're not getting married. They're afraid to get married because of the risk involved in getting married today, especially. I mean, it's always been a risk, but especially you might say today when marriage itself is called into question and the definition of marriage and so on. But they're choosing to do it. But God didn't let the possibility of evil and suffering prevent him from doing good. And because of that, we are, we exist. We are. So we're all beneficiaries of his generosity. That was the word that stood out today, if you didn't catch that. The word It came out in the first reading. Let him turn to the Lord for mercy, to our God who is generous in forgiving. And then in the gospel, Jesus said, Are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? Well, I hope not. Lord, I hope I'm not envious. But it's easy for us to look around sometimes and question God. Like, God, I've tried to do everything right. I've tried to follow all the rules, 
and it still didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. You know what Jesus says to you? Yeah, join the club. <laughs> join the club. Yeah, join the club. Come up on the cross here with me. And that's why he says that. That's why he says, pick up your cross and follow me. Because pretty much from the beginning of time, it hasn't gone the way that he expected it to go or the way that he wanted it to go. Hence our need for a savior. Our need for a savior. And so he invites us to turn to him who is, thanks be to God, rich in mercy, generous. And so there's, there's never hope, you know, there's no situation that is hopeless. It may feel like that sometimes. But at least when we, when we come to the Lord with our own issues, with our own struggles, nothing is hopeless when we turn it over to the Lord. Now, we can't control other people as much as we would like to, right? Gosh, I wish my husband would stop doing that, or my wife, I wish she would stop doing that, or my kids, you know? As much as we would like to control other people, we can't. And even God can't. God doesn't control us. He, he tries to encourage us and lead us and guide us, but he doesn't control us. He's not interested in control. So nor should we be interested in control. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you're a control freak. <laughs> Because God is not wanting us to seek control or perfect clarity. What is he looking for? He's looking for trust, for trust in his goodness and mercy. And we just follow him one day at a time, one day at a time. Depending on him, just as children are dependent on their parents, God invites us to trust in him, to walk with him as he walks with us day by day. And as we do that, we experience his predilection. That's another good word. We experience his predilection for us, which is to say he made us a priority. God will make you, has made you, his priority. The question is, have you made him a priority? Do you make him a priority? And again, I know you're here, and that's awesome, but even I myself, I know, can struggle with making him my priority each and every day. And I can let other things intrude and, and distract me and, and, and get me you know, anxious at times. And so we just continue to turn to him then and put our lives in his hands, trusting that he loves to take care of us. He loves to show us his love. He loves to pour out his grace and mercy upon us which is to say his power, his presence, his knowledge and wisdom, so that we can begin to see more and more what he sees and how he sees, beginning with ourselves, that we are loved with an everlasting love and that he has a plan for us. It's never too late and it's never too early. Those of you who are getting confirmed, <laughs> never too early. Those of you who are retired, never too late. Right, to make God a priority and to grow in that friendship with him. So let's ask 
our Blessed Mother to help us with that. She obviously made him a priority by always saying yes. So Mother Mary, we ask you to help us desire to make God a priority and to help us say yes to the Lord each and every day. Amen.